It's always a marvelous sight when you see the church building filled or almost filled. And we have felt burdened tonight to speak on striving for a full house. And we'll be taking later on the text that my house may be filled. This is the word that the Lord has given. I know it's half term and some are away on holiday, but you were here and others will be listening in online. So the Lord knows uh, as far our hearts tonight gives us something to pray about. We're going to sing 528. Tis finished, the Messiah dies, cut off for sins but not our own. Accomplished is the sacrifice, the great redeeming work is done. And the great theme here is tis finished in the opening verse. <coughs>
a great hymn, and it's always good to sing it well. The great truths, especially reaching our hearts, the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. You know, there are people who listen in, uh, among other reasons, because of the good singing in Hebron. And uh, Mrs. Kearns's niece uh, in America, she listens into all of her services, and she was just texting today to say how much she enjoys the singing of the Hebron church. So I'm glad we're a wee blessing, even in song, to others that are joining us on the internet. Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, when we think of what we've sung together tonight, it is with confidence that we can come to our God in prayer. We can approach the throne of heavenly grace because the work that Christ came to do is finished. We rejoice tonight in an accomplished redemption, all the Savior came to do. And Lord, we pray that you will still our hearts in your presence now. Help us by faith to draw near to thee in prayer. Give us a heart that pants after God. David spoke in such terms, and certainly we want that kind of desire for the Lord. We know that we're living in days of coldness and backsliding. We know that the church of Jesus Christ will even be characterized by such. For the Lord told us in his word, prior to his glorious coming again, that the love of many would wax cold. But we pray that that spirit of the age will not be found in us, and we pray, Lord, that you'll take away from us coldness and lukewarmness and set the church of Jesus Christ on fire for the glory of God. And let that fire begin to kindle in our hearts this night. Lord, may we be warmed with the presence of the Savior. The two disciples on the Emmaus Road had the experience of heartburn and were able to testify to that when they came and they, they sat together. Did not our heart burn within us? when he talked with us by the way. And Lord, if you come and sit with us tonight and speak to our hearts throughout the service, in song, in the reading of your word, in our meditation of divine truth, well then surely we will have that same kind of sensation within, in our souls tonight, that spiritual heartburn granted to us, Lord, and send us from this place, a place for God, to do a work for thee in our day and generation. We pray that we'll not shy away from the work appointed to us, but that we will be engaged in it, that we will be busy in the Lord's service. It teaches the brevity of time, not only the life that we live is very brief, but the time remaining in this world is very short indeed. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh, and signs and times around us are pointing to that way, to that day. And Lord, we Pray, therefore, that we will redeem the time, that we will buy it up and use it wisely. And may there be this tremendous effort made by the people of God in these days of, of spreading the gospel as far as we can and bringing men and women in under the sound of the word that they might hear the gospel and in hearing that they might believe. We are mindful that there are those that are absent from our number. We know that some are away uh, for a holiday. We know that some are sick and laid aside. And Lord, we want to just commit our church family onto the Lord tonight. We pray that thou will bless them where they are. And for those that are joining us on the internet and being part of our service tonight, just where they are, where they're sitting, Lord, we pray that the blessing of God will be their portion too. And though you don't always get the, 
the sense of the meeting by being absent physically. Lord, we do pray that there will be blessing for them nonetheless as they sit and listen to all that takes place here tonight. So Lord, do us good and bless our souls together in Jesus' name. Amen. 680. He was not willing that any should perish. Jesus enthroned in the glory above saw our poor fallen world, pitied our sorrows, poured out his life for us, wonderful love. <clears throat>
Warm word of welcome to the congregation tonight as you've come to the midweek and welcome to those on the internet listening in. Just very quickly, let me make the announcements. Friday night, the Youth Fellowship will be traveling down to the Martyrs for the Youth Council 50th anniversary and the buses are leaving sharp at 6.45. So the idea would be to get here at 6.30, especially if you uh, run late in for 6.30 and you'll be here in time, we hope. Saturday, the open air in the center of the town at 11 o'clock. The prayer meeting on the Sabbath day, 8 o'clock. Sunday school, 10.30. Bible class, quarter to 11. Lewis Macaulay will be bringing the message to the young people. Worship service, 12 noon. And we come to the next part in Mark's gospel. We want to speak in God's house of prayer. Gospel service in the evening at 7, preceded by the half hour of prayer at 6.30, and supper will be served afterwards. Can I mention the next family night? It's on the 3rd of March, and Margaret Cameron will be coming to give her testimony. Her testimony is entitled, A Sinner Saved by Grace. And as many of you know, Margaret, she comes from a Roman Catholic background, was converted to Christ many, many years ago, and she has a wonderful story to tell of how that happened in her life. We are praying for the mission board as they celebrate 50 years and the special conference meetings that will be held in Lisbon from the 6th to the 8th and then also on the Saturday night of that week. We're praying also for Jonathan's story as he comes to be ordained to the Christian ministry and installed as the minister of Mount Marion on Friday the 8th of March and that meeting will be at the Martyrs. Now, a little announcement about our elders' visitation. This will be up and running uh, in the next few weeks. And as you know, I'm always available for anyone that's in need and anyone needing a visit from me, just, just ask, just request that. Uh, most of our visitation these days are with sick people and needy people, spending time with them. But if you need a visit, just ask. We sing together before we come to the Word of God, 504. Call them in, the poor, the wretched, sin-stained wanderers from the fold, peace and pardon freely offered. Can you weigh their worth with gold? Call them in, the weak, the weary, laden with the doom of sin. Bid them come and rest in Jesus. He is waiting. Call them in. I, I hope tonight that we sense this uh, great urgency, uh, great need to call people in unto Christ. Let's sing the, the words of the hymn.
Turning in the Word of God tonight for our scripture reading to the 14th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 14 and reading the relative uh, section in the middle part of the chapter, verse 15 through to verse 24. And when one of them sat at meat with him, heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper, and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray they have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said unto his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. But I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And we'll end the reading there. Let's pray. Just take a moment to quiet our hearts before the Lord and in your own mind and soul look to the Lord now for his wisdom and guidance in the word. Heavenly Father, we know that the passage that we've read is so familiar and yet we know so challenging. Never a time that we read it, meditate upon it, but we we feel the burden that the Savior is seeking to convey to his church this going out is striving after the souls of men, bringing the wandering ones to Jesus and doing that by compelling them. Lord, we seek thee with a sincere heart and you know us through and through. You look into us tonight and Lord, you know why we're here. You know the very attitude of our heart. You know the desire of our soul. And Lord, if that desire is not what it ought to be, create it now, even as we come to your word. Give us a hungering after God. Give us a thirst for your word tonight. Let there be that cry of soul, speak to me. And Lord, when we come with that kind of sincerity and earnestness of heart, we believe the Lord will speak and he will. He will draw near. He'll open up the word. And he will impress the message upon our hearts tonight. And that's what we want. We don't want to come and just listen to your word. We want to go from this place and do your word. 
They want action. And Lord, we know that God wants action. He wants us to obey him in all things. Help us to obey thee in the word tonight that is here in Luke 14. Fill me now with your spirit and fill the hearts of your people sitting here and also at home with the Holy Ghost. Make this a night to remember because Jesus is here and it's his voice that we hear. We ask in his name. Amen. You've already got the title. I sent it out to you today. And it's taken here from the words of the Savior in verse 23, just at the end of the text, thinking of the subject striving for a full house, that my house may be filled, says the Lord Jesus. Dr. Paisley used to talk <clears throat> about Timothy Timber and Mr. and Mrs. Woods. And those that have been in the Free Church for some time will know and remember those days. And you'll know what he meant as you look down into the congregation and you could see lots of timber and lots of wood because people were not sitting in the pews. There were empty seats. And thus the, the coining of the, the phrase Timothy Timber and Mr. and Mrs. Wood. Our old church building, the 1974 building, just on the site beside us when the new church is sitting now, had a seating capacity of 280 people. And our new church auditorium that was opened in 2006 has a seating capacity according to the architect of 540 people. That came about as we were discussing these matters in our committee all those years ago. And those that were on the committee then will remember Jim Hegarty and good to have his daughters here tonight. But Jim, Jim was a quieter man, but when he spoke, he spoke with wisdom and we always liked to hear what contribution he had to make. And when we were discussing the capacity of the church and what our burden and all was for the future. Jim was the man that said, I propose that we build a church seating 500 people. And that was seconded and that was carried that night. The old church committee had been considering expanding the church premises around the time when this Carson complex was opened in September 2002. Congregation had grown over the years and we were facing accommodation problems, especially for missionary weekends, family nights, children's day, <clears throat> other special meetings that were held. And we also had a, a vision for the future. Wanted to see God blessing this town and district and the Lord bringing people in to hear his word. Furthermore, we recall the promise that was given to Sandy McCauley 52 years before that. When the Lord gave him that text, though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end should greatly increase. We were beginning to see something of the fulfillment of that as the Lord began to bring individuals in. And so the new plans were presented to the church on Friday the 19th of September 2003. Mervyn, Wesley, and myself spoke at that meeting. I spoke on the spiritual vision, what 
our desire was for the future. Mervyn spoke on the physical aspect, the need for larger premises, and also there was um, plans to be seen. And a little model, if I am right, a little model was, had been made of what the church might look like. Wesley outlined the financial commitment, and the rest is history. The building was opened on the 16th of September 2006 to the glory of God. But as you know, there are still some Timothy Timber and Mr. and Mrs. Wood to be seen. Our vision has not changed. And our burden is still to see. To see God working. And to see the church filled. The numbers are not everything. We're not in the business of counting. But when churches are filled and pews are occupied, it is a sign of blessing. Filled, of course, to hear the word of God expounded. Not for entertainment. Very possible to fill an auditorium where there's just entertainment, where the crowd is being entertained. But whenever the word of God is preached and a church is standing four square upon biblical truth, And the gospel is the chief end of that church. And people come in and listen and the church expands. That is a sign of the the blessing of God. Isaiah prophesied of such days that would come. In Isaiah chapter 2 and verses 2 and 3. It shall come to pass in the last days. That the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of this of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it and many people shall go and say come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Of course, those centuries ago, the prophet was speaking about gospel days and days that would go on into a greater period of time when there would be worldwide revival in a great day during the reign of Christ upon the earth. And the reason that they flocked to the house of God was to be taught. You see that here in the prophetic word, to be taught in the things of the Lord so that they might walk in the ways of the Lord and you can compare that with Micah chapter 4 and verse 2 because the text there is very similar many nations shall come and say come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths for the law shall go forth out of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Now we want to get to the place. I'm speaking now really to God's people. If you love the Lord and you know the Lord, you want to get to that place where you love God's house. And you desire to be there. And you come running with eagerness. The psalmist spoke about this many, many times, and just three verses I was thinking about in preparation for tonight that that you'll know uh, so well. Psalm 26 and verse 8, where David says, Lord, 
I have loved the habitation of thy house, the place where thine honor dwelleth. And then in the Psalm 84 and verse 10, and these verses are highlighting the great love that the psalmist had for the house of God. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Just a day, one day in the courts of God, in the house of God, better than a thousand spent elsewhere. And then the words of the Psalm 122 and the opening verse always challenges me. And brethren and sisters, we certainly want to get to this place where we can say with David, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Is that how you feel on the Sabbath day? Other times too? Somebody says, let's go. We're going to church today. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We have the example of Christ and the love that he had for the place of worship and the physical building where the people gathered. And I think of the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, right at the beginning of the Lord's ministry when he went to the synagogue and he, he went there to, to introduce himself, to tell the people as he read from the prophecy of Isaiah, this is me of whom the prophets speak. But you remember what it says as this little section is introduced to us in verse 16 of Luke chapter 4. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, never lose sight of a little phrase like that, as his custom, as his habit was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. The example of Christ running to the house of God, the place of worship. And of course we have the example of the disciples and the, the disciples went everywhere that Jesus went. And the Lord frequented, it was his custom, it was his habit, he frequented the house of God. And when he went there, whether it was the synagogue or to the temple itself, the disciples went there as well. And in the days of the resurrection, when the Lord had left his disciples, we see that that continued. And in Luke chapter 24, verse 53, the very last verse of this gospel, we're told about these men that they were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. The love that Jesus had for the house of God, the love that the disciples had for the house of God, and when God does a work, undoubtedly, this is one of the things that is manifested in the lives of people, especially God's people, but even the unconverted. They start flocking to the house of God, and they have a desire to be there. It's a mark of spirituality. You can't read the history of revival when God came down and the Spirit of God moved without seeing that this was one of the chief results of revival. Churches packed to capacity. No matter what revival you study, when God moved, churches that were virtually empty were now filled. People were queuing up outside to get in. Indeed, in many times here in this beloved province, when the revival of 1859 came, Second churches and third churches had to be built to accommodate the people. Such was the interest and the love that they had 
for God's house. Now, we want to see our churches filled in this day. We mourn over the, the general trend that we see all around us, and it's so sad when you see a forsaking of the house of God and people simply don't turn up for the worship of the Lord. Now, we're very thankful here in Hebron that we're at least holding our own and we're seeing some little increase, but we long for greater. And I pray, I still pray about the front row. Don't know whether you remember me saying that before, but when the new church was built, I, I had this prayer and I said, Lord, I'm going to pray it every day. I want to see the front row filled. Now, <clears throat> just in case you think that's Sasha coming and sitting in the front row with his family, and, or maybe that's why my family came up to the front row here tonight. That's not the reason why they came uh, to the front row. But I want to see the front row filled because all the rows in between are filled. Just don't want to see people coming and sitting in the front row and say, Pastor, your prayer has been answered. Uh, I want to see the church filling because they're normally filled from the back to the front. We want to see that front row filled to capacity. So how do we see our churches filled? If I was to ask you that question, what answer would you give? I think someone would say, we need to pray. And that's a very big part of it. We need to get before God and we need to seek him in earnest prayer. Lord, bring the people in. Because God answers prayer. Someone else might, might say by a godly example. And you know, if we're living right in this world and people see Christ in us, and they see the love that we have for him and the love that we have for this house, I believe that, that they will follow. It's always an awful thing when you, you hear about any church. People say, I'll not go there because such and such a person is there and I know the way they behave. I know the things that they have done. I, I will never go to that church. That's, that's very sad. You want to have such a testimony that there's even a drawing power in how you live that will bring people under the sound of the word. Someone else might suggest advertise, and we do advertise, though these days we have not been advertising probably since COVID so much in the newspaper because everything's done online now, and we have such a great access to Facebook and all the rest of it, and, and you share the, the special meetings and so forth on your WhatsApp groups and uh, whatever other way you get it out there, but very often that's how it's done. But you know, as we look at this passage of scripture and we ask this question, how do our churches get filled? We have to say by outreach. And I think this is certainly taught and, and illustrated in the familiar yet very powerful parable that we have read tonight from Luke chapter 14, the parable of the great supper. And the Lord Jesus is teaching here his disciples something that's very simple and yet something at the same time that is very profound. And I hope that you find it most challenging, for we are represented here in the work and the ministry that has been committed to us personally and collectively. You've got you've to gotta work personally to do for God, but as we bring that all together collectively as a church, we've got to work in the light of what we read here in this gospel. If I was just to give in a sentence or two, an overview of, of what's happening in this parable, because I'm not preaching on the parable tonight. I'm, I'm coming to the full house and the text in verse 23. But <clears throat> we read about a certain man, and that's God the Father. 
And we read about a great supper, and that represents the gospel feast that sinners are invited to. We read about the servant here, and the servant, or in the plural of servants, they represent you and I, the people of God, Christians getting involved in this wonderful ministry, every Christian. We read about the invitation that goes out, and that's our God-given responsibility to go out with this invitation and call people in. We read about the excuses, the three excuses that we read tonight, and those excuses are excuses. Lame, silly excuses that people make why they shouldn't come to the gospel feast. We read about the repeated invitations given out. And I think that just simply reminds us of the long suffering of God. When the servant came with the first rejection, the master of the feast didn't say, right, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there, but he sent them out again, he sent them out again. We read about people and places in verses 21 and 23, and we're going to come to that in a few minutes' time, and that speaks of the areas or the fields of service where our work is to be done. And then we read about what we are desiring tonight, a full house. And that speaks about a full heaven. Because heaven ultimately is in view here. And though the house ultimately represents heaven, there is an application here to God's house of worship, our church, and every other faithful church right across the world. I believe it is God's will to fill our buildings where the gospel of Christ is preached and gather people in. Ultimately, this will be so in a future dispensation. We read it in the prophetic word in Isaiah and also Micah, where they will flock to the house of the Lord, where there will be that great eagerness to go there. But we can know something of this in our day as God sends his blessing and he draws the people together beneath the sound of his word. You look at the ministry of Christ. It was done then. The crowds flocking. It wasn't to the house of God so much as, as the open air because the Lord was a great open air preacher. Even when he was in the temple, they flocked there too, but there was no building that would hold the crowds that came to listen to Christ. So he, he chose a plain. He chose a, a mountainside. And constantly we're reading about the multitudes that came. We think of the day of Pentecost and likewise... Well, the temple could not contain them, but they were gathered outside the temple, thousands of them, for the hearing of the word of God. What a blessed day that was. We know that 3,000 souls were saved that day and maybe the other 5,000, but there must have been thousands of people that had listened to the word that day. We think of the seasons of revival through church history. I've indicated to you already, Never a period when God moved in revival, but the multitudes came and they thronged the churches. And we think of our own experience. Isn't it good that we don't have to look back to the days of Christ and the disciples? We don't have to look back to days of great revival in this country and in other places to see the crowds flocking to the house of God. But we have known something of this, especially those that are older. Our churches were filled in the 1960s and and 70s. At that stage, I was more in the 70s, the mid-70s, I was going to our church in Portadown. And I remember in those days, the Reverend Elliot and others, they, they used to pray 
that the blue areas would be filled. Covered, maybe, was the word that they used. And in the old Bethany church, you know what the blue areas were. That was the carpet, because the church was filled. And they prayed that, that these carpeted areas, these blue areas of the church would be filled. And that came, that came to pass. The people flocked to the house of God. The church was packed. They had to, of course, rebuild as well. Even in Portobogie, during that time, in the early 90s when I was there, we saw wonderful things. The old, the old building is not, not there today. A new building has been erected, but the old building sat 120 people. And there was many a night we had 200 people packed into that building. The house of God being filled. And of course, you will remember that. Even in Cabra days and also in the, the old building that I came to, I remember that, that former church building. I remember the first family night that was organized. Do you remember that? And it took our committee by surprise, who are the ones responsible to get everyone seated. But the people were queued outside, couldn't get in. And it took 15 minutes to get everybody seated somewhere. The meeting did not really begin until a quarter past seven. Many other nights, we saw that church building filled. And our new Hebron church has been, or has had packed congregations from time to time. Certainly the opening day was packed. 750 people were squeezed in. We had printed 800 invitations and there was just 50 sitting on the table. So we knew there must have been 750. And I don't think they gave two, or two order of services they were to everybody. We think of the anniversary service, the 60th anniversary service back in 2011. The place was packed out. It was lovely to see some of our missionary weekends as well, a full house. And we long for this to be the regular occurrence, not just the occasional experience. We want to see the house of God filled. And we ought to pray for every pew to be occupied uh, and even the dusty pink areas to be covered as well want to see the prayer meetings packed. And it's lovely on a Thursday night when we see as full a house as possible and there's still a few seats here where people could sit. We want to see the Sunday school and the children's meetings packed as well with children coming in and all aspects of church life blessed with numerical increase. The Lord once gave me a promise that I've never forgotten from the Psalm 115 verse 14. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. And I didn't take that to be my five children and my ten grandchildren. I took that to be what he was going to do in this house. And I'm still holding on to that. The word increase is a good Bible word. More than often, it refers to the increase of the land. Fruitfulness. And that was one of the great promises that God said he would he would bless the land of Israel and he would make it fruitful with trees and, and with plant life and with corn and all those things. At other times it refers to our posterity, physical children being added to our families. And this was one of the, the promised blessings given to Israel. Observe to do it, that was God's commandments, that it may be well with thee and that ye may increase Mightily, we read in First Chronicles 
27 and verse 23 that the Lord had said he would increase Israel like the stars of the heavens. And that was a physical increase, a, a multiplication of people in the land of Israel. But you know the promise that was given to Sandy Macaulay from Job 8 verse 7? And my promise that I've mentioned to you from the Psalm 115 verse 14 has always had a spiritual application that the Lord would give spiritual children. And the spiritual increase is certainly what Paul had in mind in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 6 when he said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God give the increase. And that was a multiplicity of converts. That was souls being saved and added to the church. So how do we see this in our churches? Well, the Lord's parable of the Great Supper that we've read this evening is all about the gospel. It's all about evangelism. It's all about outreach. It's all about obeying the Great Commission and going out in search of sinners and bringing them to the feast. Indeed, bringing them to fill God's house in heaven. And as we're thinking about God's house on earth, our own church, for example, Jesus says that my house may be filled. And I'm asking, how do we do it? And there are just two points that I want to make tonight. The first one is we go. And you notice what we read in verses 21 and 23. So the servant came and showed his Lord these things. The master of the house being angry said to the servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. Verse 23, the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. As I was looking at these verses, there were a number of things that came to my mind. First of all, the, the simplicity of this command. It's just two letters. It says go. Very simple command. The youngest child can understand what it means, go. This is the work of the Great Commission. This two, little two-lettered word encapsulates the command of Christ as he outlines our responsibility. Not just pastors, not just teachers, not just evangelists and church workers, but every true servant of God. We are to go. Think of how often the word is used in this way. When the Savior first commissioned his disciples to the work of the gospel, he used this word. You just turn for a moment to, to Matthew chapter 10. And notice with me verse 5 through to 7. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, Go not, it's used negatively there, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Three, three times in three verses the word go is mentioned. At the end of the Lord's ministry, we still have this command, this burden of the Savior's heart conveyed to his church. Think of the, the words of the Great Commission in Matthew 28 
go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Think of Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And then we have all the, the exhortations in between. From the beginning when the Lord sent out the first 12, right to the end when he's sending all of us out in the Great Commission, during his ministry, this word was used by the Lord over and over again. We think of Matthew 21, verse 28. Son, go work today in my vineyard. Luke chapter 9, verse 60. Go thou and, and preach the kingdom of God. And when Jesus commissioned the other 70 disciples, in addition to the 12, in Luke chapter 10, verse 3, he says, go your ways. Behold, I send you forth. Well, to go means to leave the comfort of your armchair. It means to, to make a real effort. It means to sacrifice your time and your energy. I want to ask you, are you going? Are you obeying the Lord in this? When was the last time that you obeyed the command of Christ? Was it today? Was it yesterday? Maybe it was last week. Or perhaps tonight you have to say, well, it's been a long time since I've obeyed the Lord in him telling me to go. Well, we will never, never see the house of God filled until we learn to go. Go to your unsafe family member. Go to those friends who are without Christ. Go to your lost neighbor who doesn't know the Savior. Go to your school friend. Go to your work companion. Go even to the stranger on the broad road that leads to a lost eternity. Do you care for them? Are they asking the question to you tonight, carest thou not that we perish? Do you not care? Are you not going? Or would they have to say, as David said, in a different circumstance, but with great application to what I'm saying tonight, no man careth for my soul. Do we care enough to go? The simplicity of his command. I thought about the locality of his command. And back again to these verses 21 and 23. The Lord here marked the words. He says, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city. Bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. Verse 23, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. And as you read these verses, and you think of the locality, the place, the area, you're, you're going to think about the people and you're going to think about the places that the Lord mentions here. Now the Lord specifies some people, doesn't he? The people that need to be reached. And in verse 21, he talks about the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. We should go after all men to win them to Christ, to bring them into God's house where they will hear the gospel. But Jesus in this verse particularly is singling out the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. All these descriptions, of course, have spiritual applications. You can't think of the poor without thinking of poor sinners that are poor, bankrupt in their sin, 
You can't think about the maimed and, and the halt without thinking about those that, that can't walk properly in this world because they don't know the Lord. And you can't think about the blind without thinking of blind sinners who, who can't see their need and can't see their destination where they're going and can't see the dear Savior who came into this world to save them from their sin. All these descriptions, therefore, have spiritual applications, but they also remind us of our duty to the downtrodden of society, to the underprivileged, if you like. The Lord wants us to bring them to the table as well, that they might receive the gospel feast. May God help us to reach them and bring them to Jesus. The Lord also specifies some places where we are to labor. And in verse 21 and 22, again, you're going to read about the streets and lanes, the highways and the hedges. Well, that, that might, on a simple reading, just say in the city and out in the country areas, whether it's in the streets and lanes of, of the, the town where you live or it's in the highways and the hedges out there in the countryside. We're being told here by the Lord, we are to do our gospel work everywhere, at every opportunity, in every place. There are souls to rescue and there are souls to save. Can't you see them? Do you feel for them? Then go. Go to them and bring them in that my house may be filled. May the Lord send forth an army from this church into the streets and lanes, the highways and the hedges of this town and district. And then I also thought about the urgency of his command. That should not be overlooked. This, this little phrase here, go out quickly. Souls are, are perishing for want of spiritual bread. They're lost. And they're heading to a Christless hell. We know not what a day will bring forth. I think we have seen this so often. Accidents. Heart attacks. Strokes that have cut people down. We need to get others to Christ now. We need to get them to God's house where they will hear the word of God that they might be saved. And so therefore, go. There's an urgency in this command where Jesus says, do it quickly. The other word is compel. We're not only to go, but we are to compel. And that's the term that the Lord uses in verse 23. Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. <clears throat> this word is also important. It's not a vague, half-hearted invitation that, that you give. You know, you know, come to church sometime. No, there's compulsion here. <clears throat> the master commanded his servants to, to use persuasion to fill his house with guests. We likewise as Christians must use all legitimate persuasion and reasoning and effort to bring sinners to God's house and to Christ himself, to the gospel feast. <clears throat> Compel them by your love. You make sure that sinners out there know that you love them. And that will be shown by the way you treat them, the way that you speak to them. Make sure they know that you love them for Christ. Compel them by your invitations. Be active in inviting them to come to the house of God. 
Compel them by your words as you witness to them. Compel them by your godly and gentle argument. Compel them by the strongest force possible. We're not to bring them uh, in that sense of compulsion with force of arms. But it's almost like that. You stop short <clears throat> and physically laying hold upon them. <clears throat> the fact that Jesus said compel indicates the great desire of Almighty God himself to fill his house. Wanderers from Christ need to be convinced of their sin, of their folly, and their danger, and the need. They need to be convinced about heaven and the only Savior that can save them from hell's destruction. Don't take no for an answer. Don't be put off so quickly by rejection and excuses and even opposition. Don't give up after one or two attempts, but keep on going. Keep on inviting. Keep on persuading. Keep on pleading. Keep on compelling until you have obtained success and you've won the battle with them. How negligent we have been in our solemn duty to bring them in. Family members, friends, neighbors. Every day <coughs> takes them one step closer to hell. Every day sees them continue in their Christ rejection and sin. They march towards the precipice of a lost eternity. What are we doing to rescue them from that eternity? Are we compelling them to come that God's house may be filled. Church of Christ, awaken. Church of Christ, arise. Shake off your sloth. And where it has been, confess your sin of neglect. Church of Christ, rededicate your life to him. Go and tell others the gospel. Compel sinners to come in. Live with eternity's values in view. Only God knows what might happen if we all take this business of outreach and evangelism seriously. If we all become ambassadors for Christ. If we all obey Christ's command in this parable, go and compel. What would our church look like if everyone, without exception, brought just one to God's house. You remember last year we preached on one bring one. What would the church look like if just one person was brought by each individual? Timothy Timber and Mr. and Mrs. Woods would disappear. Maybe even the dusky pink carpet would begin to be covered. God's house would be filled. Just one person each. It's not really much of a challenge, is it? Even if it took us a whole month or longer to do that. Just one. Just one. Will you consider this challenge seriously? Will you consider it prayerfully and diligently? With passion in your heart, the love of Christ burning in your soul, your mind saturated 
with the divine realities of hell and heaven, with your feet swift to run after perishing souls, your arms ready to embrace them, your tongue ready to compel them with the strongest arguments imaginable. Go out quickly and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. That's what Jesus said. Gracious Bonner lived 150 years ago and he penned the words of a hymn that we're going to sing just in a moment. Go labor on while yet tis day. The world's dark night is hastening on. Speed, speed thy work, cast sloth away. It is not thus that souls are won. Men die in darkness at thy side without a hope to cheer the tomb. Take up the torch and wave it wide, the torch that lights time's thickest gloom. Toil on, faint not, keep watch and pray. Be wise, the erring soul, to win. Go forth into the world's highway. Compel the wanderer to come in. How can the house of God be filled? Just very simply by obeying the Lord in this parable. Go and compel. Now let's sing the hymn. It's 520. Go labor on, spend and be spent. I joy to do the Father's will. <clears throat> it is the way the master went. Should not the servant tread? It's still. We've taken a little longer than normal, but this is the burden of her heart, and I hope that God has spoken and challenged our hearts tonight.
joy for me to be in the Senior Youth Challenge group on Tuesday night and uh, to speak. And it was the Pancake Tuesday, so the, the children had this little treat at the end of their meeting. And I want to thank all who came to help. Just lovely to see the children coming, many of them from unconverted homes. I want to thank the girls from Ukraine who very kindly posed for a photograph and uh, they, they're starting to help on a Tuesday night and we appreciate that. Some of the money that was sent to Pastor Sabine is being used and he's been going around some of the poor people and uh, getting food to them in these needy times. Got a little correspondence from Pastor Emmanuel today that I just want to, to mention. By way of encouragement even to our mother, our Hebron tots, and he simply says, pictures I shared from Hebron tots moved hearts and minds. Mums are coming together to offer a ministry to this group starting on Monday. So I said, I'm glad that we were a, a little bit uh, influential and encouraging in that, even what he saw. <clears throat> he also said yesterday was a great day for the children's ministry in Campina. That's in his town and his church. Things evolved to having a dedicated homework meeting. And yesterday, nine children from Roma families attended. There's another sister in the church involved with the homework part. She has a big heart for these children and a deep desire to help them. We are also planning offering them a light lunch when they come so that hunger will not hinder their focus. After the homework session, all of them stayed for the children's meeting. Very encouraging to see their open heart to listen to Bible stories and learn scriptures. So it's always good to hear um, reports from abroad what God is doing. I want you to pray for a conference that will take place at the end of March. I'll be traveling alone uh, over to Romania to have this conference with the Roma churches in Bazo and we'll be visiting the poor family. So that's at the end of March. And there is a trip organized later on in the year. <clears throat> Some people like to go out and see, see the work. And uh, 10 places have been booked uh, so that we can secure flight prices as they are at the moment. So if you're interested, you need to see me as soon as possible. Some have already heard about this, and I think there's eight people going already. So uh, there's two more. There's no limit as such on the number but the next lot, the price of flights might be a little bit more. I don't know. We want you to pray because this is the night to pray for children's ministry. We think of Youth Challenge on a Tuesday night. And here are the requests for safety on the roads as the children uh, come to and from the meetings each night. For the special events we have planned this uh, season, hot dog night and games night. For God to work in the lives of the children that come each night and for souls to be saved. And then, <clears throat> you remember last year, the, the Youth Challenge was an, like an all-day event. It's being split now. Easter is very early, and the children will be going off a little bit earlier. So there'll be a soccer camp towards the end of June. That'll be done in the evening time. And then Youth Challenge, the normal way that we've done it for years, will be in the month of August. So these are things to pray about. You think of Sunday school, and there are a few requests here. Uh, we have some irregular attenders. that I pray that they would be able to come more often. Number two, that our teachers would know wisdom and guidance 
and the help of the Holy Spirit in their classes. Three, for our door-to-door outreach as we commence in the spring. Four, for our Sunday school social, that it would be an outreach to parents. And five, thank the Lord for the children he has saved and that more would follow. Please continue to pray for the sake of the church, those that need the Lord in a very special way. And number one on the list there with her ongoing uh, visits to the hospital and treatment, God willing, uh, starting on the 23rd of this month is Lydia, Lydia Moore. When I first announced this, I didn't even realize it, but it was up as Lydia's story. She'll always be Lydia's story. Uh, Ryan doesn't mind that, you know, uh, but she's our Lydia. And uh, she was away uh, getting the, the pick line in today. So things are in place for the treatment that is soon to begin. I want you to uphold her at the throne of grace. Now, could I also ask you to remember to pray for Winnie Laverty? Many of you will know Winnie. And she's in her mid-80s, and she's in the Royal Victoria Hospital. And uh, I was told this evening before coming over to the meeting that she's very ill. And uh, a driver has been put in, and her days could be numbered. And Winnie goes a long, long way back in the Free Church. Some of you will remember the Bethel when it was near the co-op in Belfast. Isn't that right? I'm giving my wife to keep me right. <laughs> but some of you remember it there and uh, the Munns that were there at that time too. And then it moved into the city centre just beside the, the city hall. And then it moved to... Do you know where it moved to? I'm trying to remember the street. East Belfast. Anyhow. It was in one of those streets in East Belfast. And Winnie was just really a feature as far as staff was concerned. All those years. And a great friend of the Free Church. Remember her. Remember Ukraine. Remember Israel. And if you're tuning in tonight on the internet, we say goodnight to you at this stage. And want to thank you sincerely for being part of our Hebron midweek. The Lord bless you as we come to our time of prayer.